Well, this morning, we are talking about being self-controlled. I don't know about you, but this is an area of my life that I really struggle in. Um, In fact, this morning, on my way to work, um, I was driving down Murphy Road. And Murphy Road is... um, it's a, a road that um, kind of separates Wiley, Murphy, kind of in that area, heading this way. But um, on Murphy Road, there's a spot on that road where the city changes. It goes from the city of Murphy to the city of Parker. And it's right there by South Fork Ranch. And I was driving up Murphy Road, and where the city transitions there was a cop that was perched right to the left. And as I'm driving down the road, he flipped his lights at me. Um, I just knew that he was going, because I was speeding, I will confess that this morning to you. I just knew that that cop was going to flip around, get behind me, and give me a ticket. And so I began to process in my mind um, some hypotheticals. If this cop would have come to my window, what would I have said? Would I have thrown the pastor card out there that I'm on my way to church? And I thought, okay, let's say we play that um, card. And, you know, I'm on my way to church, and I, I was just running through my head, which I was, the sermon for today. And as I thought about that, I just knew that after I told him I was running through my head the sermon for today, he was going to ask me, well, what are you preaching on? And my comment would have been self-control. So um, this is an area that I struggle in. Praise the Lord, I didn't get a ticket this morning. Um, But it would have made for a great illustration, even more so than what I just shared. Galatians 5, 22 through 24 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So as we begin this morning, let's start by looking at our message point. Our message point this morning is a quote that comes from our Believe series book by Randy Frazee. And it says, through Christ, we can practice self-control rather than be out of control. What does it mean to live a life that is self-controlled? Simply put, it is this. It is the ability to control oneself. A believer that is self-controlled is a believer that is controlled by the Spirit of God. In Galatians 5, um, looking up, uh, our, our, our dropping down in, in verses 19 through 21, we read, Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual morality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. What we just read are our sins of the flesh. You and I need to learn to be self-controlled 
and not give in to the fleshly desires. You and I live in a pretty chaotic world, don't we? You turn the news on or you turn your computer on and you go to some news site and you hear about or read about just how broken the world that we live in is. Not only is our world broken, but our bodies are broken as well. You know, you think about um, some of the world's ugliest diseases or ugliest viruses that are kind of raging these days. You have cancer, Alzheimer's. AIDS, Zika virus, there's a West Nile virus, there's heart disease, diabetes, and I could go on and on about certain diseases or viruses that have plagued our nation and plagued our world. Any one of these diseases can be fatal. You know what the absolute worst disease known to man is? The absolute worst disease known to man is sin. Sin. There is no other disease that has such destructive power on our lives than sin. You know this, but a sinful heart and a sinful life is a condemned life. And we read that in Scripture, Romans 6.23, says that the wages of sin is death. Because of sin, a person without Christ is condemned eternally. And they are condemned and separated from God for all of eternity in hell. And here is the reality this morning. None of us in this room need help being out of control, do we? None of us in this room need help being out of control. The out of control nature of our lives, we've got handled. Being self-controlled is the area that daily we must make a commitment to be. Paul wrote this in Romans chapter 7. In verses 14 and 15 he says, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh, sold under sin. For I do not understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. How many of us in this room this morning can relate to that? As Paul said, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing that I hate. You know, that is a struggle of the flesh. A struggle of the flesh is making a commitment every single day that we are going to die to ourselves and we are going to live for Jesus Christ. Paul struggled daily with his flesh. That was a daily battle for him, just as it is a daily battle for us. God's word warns us over and over and over what the consequences are of an out-of-control life. If you have your Bibles, turn with me this morning to our focal passage. Our focal passage this morning is just one verse, but it's a powerful verse. It's Proverbs chapter 25, verse 28. Proverbs 25, verse 28. It says this. A man without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls. In ancient times, it was critical for a city to be well fortified. If a city had no walls, then that city would quickly be destroyed by the enemy. Think about Jerusalem during Nehemiah's day. Think about how um, 
the city of Jerusalem was left in utter ruin before the exile had occurred, the 70-year exile into Babylon. When Nehemiah got word that the walls of Jerusalem had not been rebuilt, um, Scripture says that he was broken. People had already begun to return to Jerusalem post the Babylonian exile period. They had already begun to return, and there was also a remnant of people that were left in Jerusalem and left in Israel. And even though people had returned, and even though there was a remnant that was left in Jerusalem and Israel, they still had not yet rebuilt the walls around, around Jerusalem. And so when Nehemiah gets word of this, he is a broken individual. We read in Nehemiah chapter 1, verses 1 through 4, this is Nehemiah's response when he heard about the walls not being rebuilt. It says, the words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakali, now it happened in the month of Chislev, in the 20th year, as I was in Susa the citadel, that Hanani, one of my brothers, came with certain men from Judah. And I asked them concerning the Jews who escaped, who had survived the exile, and concerning Jerusalem. And they said to me, the remnant there in the province who had survived the exile is in great trouble and shame. The walls of Jerusalem is broken down, and its gates are destroyed by fire. As soon as I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days, and I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. Nehemiah knew the importance of walls. In fact, he knew it so well that he went to the king and got permission to leave Babylon, to leave his post as the cupbearer, and to return to Jerusalem to rebuild the walls around that city, to make it fortified again. And that is exactly what he did. In 52 days, he and those that were in that city and around that city rebuilt those walls. And once those walls were rebuilt, the city of Jerusalem once again was fortified. No longer was Jerusalem and Israel a laughingstock among the nations. Walls are important. And if you and I do not build walls around our hearts, there is a 100% guaranteed fact. This is a fact that you and I will give in to our flesh. Three things that I want us to see this morning. The first point is this. You and I need to understand, you and I need to surrender our lives by first letting God's Spirit guide us. In Galatians chapter 5 verse 16, we read, but I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Read that again. Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. In order for you and I to fortify the walls of our hearts, we must not gratify the flesh, and we must be 100% surrendered to the Lord Jesus Christ and to His Spirit. Within the fifth chapter of Galatians, Paul uses... um, uses four verbs to describe what a spirit-controlled life looks like. And in verse 16, we read that we as believers are to walk in the Spirit. In verse 18, we read that we are to be led by the Spirit. In verse 25a, we read we are to live by the Spirit. And in verse 25b, we read that we are to keep in step with the Spirit. The Spirit of God guides us, leads us, and directs us. 
Think of it like this. If you are like me, you love one of the greatest redneck sports known to man, NASCAR. How many people in here would admit this morning that you are a NASCAR fan? Okay, there's like four or five of us in this room, okay? Well, there's a few rednecks in this room, but some of you have at least entertained um, yourself enough where you've turned the television on on Sunday afternoon and you have watched a NASCAR or an Indy race. And when you turn the television on, before that race begins or during a caution period, there is a pace card that leads the field to the track. And that pace car leads all of the cars onto the track. The pace car leads the drivers, but he does not control the drivers. The Spirit of God is not like a pace car that leads. The Spirit of God is more like a locomotive train. We do not follow the Lord under our own power. We are led by His power as we are connected to His power source. When we make a commitment that we are going to follow in step with the Lord Jesus Christ, that means that we are going to daily be connected to his power source. It does not mean that we're going to let God go a hundred miles in front of us, but we're going to walk with him in step, connected to him so that we can be under his control and not under our own control. Timothy George wrote in in, um, the New American Commentary, he said, In Paul's vocabulary, to walk in the Spirit or be led by the Spirit means to go where the Spirit is going, to listen to His voice, to discern His will, and to follow His guidance. A person controlled by the Spirit must make a decision every single day that they are going to die to themselves. Luke 9.23, Jesus said, If anyone would come after me, he must first deny himself. And take up his cross daily and follow me. John Piper wrote, The very concept of self-control implies a battle between a divided self. It implies that our self produces desires we should not satisfy but instead control. We should deny ourselves and take up our cross daily, Jesus says, and follow him. Daily, our self produces desires that should be denied and controlled. Think about that. Daily, our self produces desires that should be denied and controlled. Knowing this, we must make a commitment every single day that we are going to die to ourselves, that we are going to crucify our flesh and live for Jesus Christ. We read in Galatians chapter 5, verse 24, And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. In order for you and I to crucify our flesh with its passions and desires, then we must let go of our own desires and let God take control of of our lives. You know, I, as I was preparing for this um, morning sermon, I began to think what are some hindrances that keep us from dying daily to ourselves? What are some hindrances to us being under the control of the Lord Jesus Christ? And there's three things that I want us to see. The first thing is this pride. 
Pride keeps us from surrendering and dying to ourselves. A prideful life is a life that is very much all about oneself, isn't it? It's hard to crucify the flesh when the flesh is screaming out, look at me, look at what I have done, and look at what I have accomplished. Pride is dangerous. Pride will keep you from living a life controlled by the Spirit of God. Proverbs sixteen eighteen says, Pride goes before destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall. This life, it's not about us, folks. It's not about us gratifying our flesh and getting what we want out of this life. It's all about being controlled by the Spirit and doing the will of the Spirit and going where the Spirit leads us, not where our preference or our own desires lead us. Another um, hindrance is guilt. It's guilt. Guilt is another reason you and I struggle with the flesh. We guilt ourselves, don't we? Have you ever guilted yourself? I mean, if you're honest, if we're all honest with ourselves, we would admit that we have guilted ourselves to the point where we um, have, have deemed that we are failures or we've deemed that we're worthless. We've deemed that whatever sin that we've committed is so bad that it's, it's unpardonable by God. And sometimes we guilt ourselves into believing that, that God can't use us effectively like he desires to use us. Do not let guilt keep you from seeking the forgiveness of the Lord Jesus Christ. Also, do not let guilt drive you to repeatedly repeat the same sin nature that you have asked Jesus to crucify to the cross. If Jesus has forgiven you of that sin, leave it at the cross. Don't continue to return to that particular sin. Proverbs 26.11 says, Like a dog that returns to his vomit is a fool who repeats his folly. Let go and let God. Let's crucify the flesh. There's also anxiety. Anxiety or anxiousness. In Philippians 4, 6 through 7, we read, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. There is nothing in your life so big that God cannot handle. You believe that? You know that? Last week we spent um, the, the vast majority of our sermon talking about the storms that we encounter in life. There is a 100% chance, as we said last week, that if you and I live long enough, there is going to be severe storms that we encounter in our lives. Some of those storms will be more like spring showers, and we will be able to weather those just fine. Others of those storms are going to be thunderstorms. Some of them are going to be tornadic. Some of them are going to be hurricane five, of hurricane five nature. In life, storms will come. And when they come, know that God is in control. You may not always have a fleshly answer to the problems and the struggles that you are going through, but you can have a spiritual answer. When sickness comes, know that God's got it. When financial struggles happen in your home, know that God's got them. 
When cancer occurs, God's got it. When job issues happen, God's got it. You know how I know he's got those things? Because you and I are only temporary residents on planet earth. This is not our home. We are just passing through. And there is a much better place that the Lord Jesus Christ is preparing for those that have placed their faith in him. Yes, there will, yes this flesh does cause us physical pain, emotional pain, and psychological pain. One day, though, all of this pain will be gone. And, and that day will occur when we stand in the very presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's a promise that we have in Revelation chapter 21, verse 4. It says, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. That's good news this morning. That is good news. One day, these broken bodies that you and I find ourselves in today, these broken bodies will be restored in the very presence of Jesus Christ. And there will be no more pain. There will be no more sickness. There will be no more death. And there will be no more crying. So we must let the Spirit of God guide us, not our flesh. The second thing this morning is this. Let God's word direct you. Let God's word direct you. 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17 says, All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. You know, this is a passage that I refer to quite often on Sunday mornings. I do this because my prayer is that this will be a passage of Scripture that sinks into our minds and into our hearts. God's Word truly is a source of profitability in our lives. This book is not some archaic book that is irrelevant today. This book is just as relevant today as the day that it was penned by the saints that wrote it. Just because people's opinions change, just because people's beliefs change, that does not mean that God's word changes. You agree with that? This world may change its opinion. They may change its opinion of God's word, their opinion of us as the church, but God never changes. His word never changes. God's word is just as applicable today in the 21st century as it was when it was written um, many, many years ago. Just because the populace votes something into law, that does not mean that it supersedes what God's word says. And that's important, folks. Just because the world changes its opinion, that does not mean that you and I are to change our opinion or that God's word changes. This word that you and I read from, I pray on a daily basis, this word, as I said back in, I believe it was week two of our Believe series, this word is, it, it, it is more than just ink on a page. It is breath 
on a page. It has been breathed out by God, and it has been given to us for our benefit. You want to build a fortified wall around your heart? Then get into God's Word. And when God's Word says don't do something, guess what? Let's not do it. When God's Word says do something, let's do it. I came across this and thought that this was spot on um, this week, but Jeff Goss said this, the Bible teaches us what is true, shows us where we're wrong, shows us how to get right, shows us how to stay right so that we can do right. Self-control is not only about the discipline to stop doing the things that we know we should not do, but also about the discipline to do the things that we know that we should do. This word that is more than ink on a page, this word that is breath on a page, is profitable. It is useful. It is helpful. It is advantageous to our lives. It is not punishing, restricting, or narrowing. Everything that comes out of the Word of God increases. It does not decrease. God's Word is profitable, helpful, beneficial, and should be part of our daily spiritual diet. And we read in this passage that we just looked at, um, it is profitable for teaching. So we need to teach it. The church today is being taught by a bunch of ear ticklers, isn't it? You turn the television on and you look at different religious stations and you got a lot of people that are, are preaching a message to placate oneself. Instead of teaching the truth of God's word. That is why it's so important that you and I know God's word so that we can apply God's word daily as well as defend God's word when somebody is teaching a message contrary to God's word. God's word is also profitable for rebuke. God's word is not a sugar-coated book. It convicts when sin is evident. So know that God's word has been given to us to instruct us and convict us when conviction is needed. God's word is also profitable for correcting. Correction is not intended here here as something negative, and that's real important for all of us to understand. God's way of correcting is not by punishing us, but by showing us a better way, and that better way is his way. God's word is also profitable for training. You and I have been called and set apart by God to make disciples. Every single one of us in this room, when we made a commitment to follow after Jesus Christ, we also made a commitment that we were going to go into all the world and preach the gospel and make disciples amongst those that we come in contact with. So knowing that we need to read God's word, we need to study God's word, we need to apply God's word, and we need to teach God's word Every single day. The only way you and I are ever going to learn self-control is to allow the Spirit of God to control us. Let God's Word transform you. Do not be transformed by this world. And that is a warning that we were given by, by Paul in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. It says, do not be conformed to this world. But be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Don't be 
conformed by this world, but be transformed by God's word. The final thing this morning is this. Let God's people encourage you. This is important here. Let God's people encourage you. In 1 Thessalonians 5.11, we read, Therefore, encourage one another. Build one another up just as you are doing. You may feel like you are alone at times. You may come into this place on a Sunday morning. You may go to your growth group on a Sunday morning. You may feel like you are all alone. I want you to know right now that you are not alone this morning. This church and the greater church exists for you so that you and I can live together in community. We've been talking this morning about the importance of building walls around our hearts so that we can defend ourselves against the enemy's attacks. But know this, walls alone will not protect you from the enemy. You know, when you think about a great fortified city, amongst those walls would be a watchtower. And inside that watchtower, there would be a person or persons that would be looking out over the city and out into the surrounding landscape to guarantee that when an enemy is coming, they could sound an alarm to get the soldiers within that city prepared to go to war. A watchman is someone that protects and looks out over the city. And so as we think about building a fortified city around our heart, it's important that we recognize that we need one another. We need one another to watch out for one another and to guard one another against the attacks of the enemy. So within the city, there are soldiers, and those soldiers must be willing to defend the security of that city at any cost, and at times even be willing to die for the sake of the advancement of the gospel of Jesus Christ. This church, Friendship Baptist Church, exists to do those very things, to watch out for the enemy's attack and to protect one another. This church exists to provide security and protection from the enemy. It does not matter what you have done. It doesn't matter how messed up you might be. This church exists for you. And as a church, we must encourage one another. We must encourage one another. We must do this as we live together in community with one another. You know, throughout God's Word, there are one another passages of Scripture. And I want to read a few of these one another passages of Scripture. And as I read these, understand this is who we are as a church and what we are to do as a church. In James 5.16, we are to pray for one another. In Hebrews 3.13, we are to exhort or encourage one another. In Galatians 16, we are to bear one another's burdens. In 1 Thessalonians 5.11, we are to build each other up. In James 5.16, we are to confess our 
our sins to one another. In John 13, we are to love one another. In Galatians 5.13, we are to serve one another. In Ephesians 5.21, we are to submit to one another. We are also to submit to God, to government, to elders, to wives and husbands, wives and husbands, children, to parents, and to one another. In Hebrews 10.24, we are to stir one another up, not to anger, but to love and to good works. You and I are to encourage one another as we live in community together. So as we encourage one another, understand you also need to be encouraged by the church. So it is important that we come together on Sunday morning in this room to hear God's word and to worship together. But it's also important that if you are not part of a Sunday school or a growth group class, as we call them here at Friendship Baptist Church, it is important that you get connected in community with one another so that you can um, be held accountable and so that you can be discipled, so that you can be encouraged, and so that you also can encourage one another. Because There are people that come into this place every single week that are hurting. And as a church, we need to recognize their hurt and go to them and encourage them and love on them and to do everything that we can to strengthen them um, in accordance and as God's Word leads us and directs us. So this morning, as we talk about being self-controlled, a self-controlled life, is a life that is not out of control. If your life this morning is out of control, if you are here this morning and you do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ, then I want to invite you this morning to make the greatest decision that you could ever make. In just a moment, we're going to have a time of invitation. I'm going to be standing here at the front. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then this morning I invite you to come and make the greatest decision of your life. And that is to surrender your life to Jesus. That is to repent of your sins. And that is to cry out to Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. So this morning, if you do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ, then this morning, during our time of invitation, I want you to come and surrender your life over to Jesus Christ. And more than I want you to come, the Lord Jesus Christ is calling you unto salvation today. So you do not delay in coming. Be obedient to the call of Jesus upon your life and come this morning surrendering of your sins and crying out to Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. You may be here this morning. You've been visiting this church for a while and and the Lord is leading you to make this your church home. We invite you this morning to make this place, Friendship Baptist Church, your church home. You may be here this morning. You may need to just come and kneel at the altar. And there may be a a particular sin in your life that you've been really struggling with. And you may need to come this morning to the altar and just say, Lord, take this sin and, and forgive me of it. And this morning I give it over to you. And so take this sin and remove it as far as the east is from the west. You may need to come this morning and the Lord has impressed upon your heart someone that you need to pray for someone's salvation that you need to pray for. You come this morning and you pray for them. You may need to come this morning, and and this is something that I was even reminded of this morning. As a church and as a, a people, we need to be praying for revival. We need to be praying for individual revival, 
corporate revival, for our nation to be revived, and for our world to be revived because we live in a broken world. So you may need to come this morning on this Independence Day weekend and kneel at the altar and just pray and pray with all of your might for God to bring about revival here and out there. So if there's a decision you need to make after I pray, I'm going to invite you to come. Let's stand together and let's pray together this morning. Father God, we come before you this morning. And Father God, we come acknowledging that we are in desperate need of you. Father, if there is someone here this morning that has yet to receive you as their Lord and Savior, I pray that this morning they'll make the greatest decision they could ever make. And that is to surrender their life over to you. To die to their self. To die to their flesh. And be renewed by your spirit. So if there's someone here that does not have a relationship with you, may today be the day that they repent of their sins. May today be the day that they cry out to you to be their Lord and Savior. Father, just draw the lost today unto salvation. Father, if there are some here this morning that need to come and make this their church home, Lord, I pray that they will do that this morning. And there may need to be um, some that, that step out from their seat this morning and come and kneel at this altar and pray for revival, pray for repentance, and pray, Father, for the lost that, that we do life with on a daily basis. Father, whatever decisions need to be made this morning, stir our hearts to make them. For it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. If there's a decision you need to make, you come. You come.